listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 The Vegas lead on a Monday is always where the sharps and squares are seeing things differently. Yeah, and usually we start with just a list of the squares are squawking and the sharps are saying. We're going to start with a topic and talk about the sharp and square perspective on the Chiefs because this is the biggest story in the NFL this season so far. This was... The favorite, not Tampa Bay, coming into the season. Yeah, the preseason Super Bowl favorite, Kansas City Chiefs, now below 500, getting blown out by the Titans in Tennessee. Final score, 27-3. to Okay, so I am going to let you start. We talked about this in production. I'm going to let you start with your point because I'm actually probably going to contradict it a little bit, but not really. I think your point is correct. For this game. So let's look at this performance against Tennessee. Because there's really two different things, uh, time periods to look at the Chiefs in. Right? Or three. Three is the Mahomes era. And that's a time period of unmatched success. No team has had as much success during these years of Mahomes starting than the Chiefs. That's the long time period. The mid-time period is this season. The short time period is against Tennessee. So against Tennessee, you had a takeaway that I think is absolutely correct about why the Chiefs are struggling. The Chiefs are struggling because they've not adjusted to the way the league is playing them. Every team now, most teams, are coming at them with two high safeties, playing cover two, cover four, basically a shell-type coverage allowing them to get, to take short intermediate routes. All right, so it's saying we're not going to press you. We're not going to be like worrying about every three-yard completion. We're just not letting you get behind us. We're not letting Tyreek Hill bust an 85-yarder is what they're talking about. And and now, mind you, it's not it's not flawless. I mean, the Texans tried it, and it failed miserably. So it can it, – it's – Oh, but, but staying on the main point is the general kind of, hey, make you do an eight or ten play drive, Mahomes. Do you have the patience? That's been something that you believe most teams are doing and Kansas City's failing at. 2018-2019, they saw about 37% of their dropbacks. They faced two deep coverage. Uh, This year, 59% of dropbacks. They faced two deep coverage. So, again, I'm not an expert at the X's and O's. I'm learning uh, the theory would be like an Adams for Seattle. He's the second safety. If he's down in the box or if he's blitzing, that means there's one less guy in coverage. Yes. So Seattle would be at this point generally the opposite of the way the league is playing against Kansas City, which is let's have our safety sit back, keep it in front of them. you got to matriculate the ball down the field. Well, what have we said about is the Chiefs? Is that Chief? correct? Yes, that is correct. What have we said about the Chiefs? You can't blitz Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes will eat you up if you blitz. So teams have said, okay, we won't blitz anymore. And now the problem is this offensive line of the Chiefs that was supposed to be improved over the offseason, it's not gelling. It's not working. And they, yesterday they got dominated by a four-man front. The Titans only blitzed once yesterday, and they were in Mahomes' kitchen all day. That's A.J. Hoffman. So let's think about this. The classic Tom Brady antidote is, hey, get pressure with your four and you're fine with them. And what anyone that really understands NFL says is, of course, if you can get pressure with four against any quarterback, that means you both get pressure and you have a lot of guys in coverage. You're, you're going to be fine. The fact that Kansas City had the experience that they did in the Super Bowl, which was their deficiencies due to injury on the offensive line were so severe 
Mahomes couldn't be Mahomes, and they were dominated. The entire offseason, the focus for the Chiefs has been, it seems, at least the majority of it, let's shore up that O-line. Now, the trade with Baltimore for Brown, not looking so good right now. And in a way, some people at the time said maybe they're fixated on yesterday's problem, fighting the last war, as they say, and not thinking about tomorrow. But boy, they didn't help themselves on defense. We know that. Didn't help themselves with playmaker, right? Who's your third playmaker? I don't know. And now the O-line that they spent their resources on doesn't look so good. So what you're saying generally is typically if the O-line's blocking the four, yeah, if you sit back there and say make it eight or ten plays, Mahomes, get seven, eight yards a clip, he's probably going to do okay most of the time if he's not pressured. But if he's getting pressured with four – and he's got to do it eight, ten different successful plays to get a touchdown, it's tougher. And what we saw was a disaster in that they scored three points. The best, One of the best offenses in football scored three points. Against one of the worst defenses on, on paper in football. Agreed. A defense that just two weeks before got beat by the Jets. <laughs> now, in the interim, they beat two of the best teams. What is life? Well, I'm <laughs> it, 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 I tell you, it's going to be our second subject, which is the NFL – a lot of ups and a lot of downs, and the trick is not to sway too far one way or the other. You might have heard that somewhere before, AJ. We are straight out of Vegas. Now, here's where I disagree with AJ. Prior to this game, all right, so this was the seventh game for the Chiefs, the sixth prior, where would you rank the Chiefs? Let's say this. Is there any debate the Chiefs had one of the top three or four offenses no, in football? No, none. All right, even counting their inordinate number of turnovers. Meaning that if you look at points, you look at points per drive, you look at EPA, they were in the top couple. At points per drive, they were so far ahead, they thought they were in last. The punt rate, yeah, everything. Yeah. So in in a weird situation, what you have here is maybe the prototype of old football versus new football when it came to the Chiefs prior to the most recent game against Tennessee. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, what has been the narrative? The narrative by the smart types, and I'm quote, I'm air quoting right now, smart types. The smart types has been, well, defense doesn't really matter. Now think about it. The final four teams last year, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Buffalo. By far, Tampa Bay had the best defense. It wasn't even a debate. Buffalo's defense last year was not very good at all. Kansas City wasn't very, it wasn't the worst, but it wasn't very good. Green Bay's was okay, but not very good. Tampa Bay was the biggest underdog of the four teams. Defense didn't really matter. And it's not like Tampa Bay didn't have a good offense. They were like the third probably of that group or fourth, but they were like maybe the fifth or sixth in the whole league. Right. Right? So it's like if you have the fifth or sixth best offense and the second or third best defense, the other teams have the first, second, third best offense, but like a defense from 18 to 30, wouldn't Tampa Bay be the favorite? But they weren't. They were the biggest underdog. Why? Because defense doesn't matter. Well, it seems like if defense doesn't matter, then Kansas City's defense being so bad shouldn't have really mattered this year because their offense was a top couple, maybe the best before the most recent game. So if you have the best offense and the worst defense, in theory, back when I grew up, 
you should have been maybe the 18th or 16th best team, right? If you say, let's go 32 plus 1 divided by 2, 16.5, that's pretty average, right? If you're just averaging it out. Now, Football Outsiders, let me see, yeah. Yeah. Football outside, yeah. Football Outsiders, they have a, a, a ratio of four units of offense, three of defense, one of special teams. So they said, hey, it's close, four sevenths, three sevenths, throwing an eighth for special teams. Or, or So I guess it's um, if you're just looking at offense and defense, it's four to three ratio. So it's close, but a little bit of an edge, a little bit of an edge for offense. Well, which one is it? All right. It looks like defense matters more than people have thought. Or you could say, well, as long as you're not horrible, if you're 25, it doesn't matter, 25 to 12 maybe, but if you're 32, it matters. Okay, that sounds like revisionist history to me. But let's agree that in a way Kansas City has been a object lesson in what happens if you have a great offense and no defense. The second lesson has been turnovers because if you remove the turnovers – now, why would you remove turnovers? Because most turnovers have a huge element of luck. Tip pass. Oh, a dropped interception. It should have been a turnover. It wasn't. Or it shouldn't have been, but it was. If you look at the rate of turnover-worthy play, so the rate. Mahomes entering the game yesterday had a lower rate this year than last year. But he had a ton more turnovers this year because they were catching the interceptions. There were more tip balls. The things that were luck has gone against Kansas City when it comes to turnovers, where last year Mahomes put the ball in harm's way just as much. But He, had, he led the league in interceptions dropped. Exactly. Yeah. Great point, A.J. Hobby. So it, it, it makes the case that in a way you could say Mahomes was playing just as well as ever, or at least the offense was. The turnovers were luck. Defense doesn't matter. Kansas City should have been the same favorite – entering the game against Tennessee in the whole league than they were entering the year, with the exception of being, hey, if you're not going to get the first seed because of the game so far, they at least should have been power rated number one or two. And you know what? With a lot of people, they were. Kansas City was still one or two in most power ratings. And I mean serious people, the most serious people. Now, what happened? I, I could have explained everything about Kansas City up until now, we weren't sure how much defense matters. We'll see. We weren't sure if those turnovers were going to reverse themselves because things can, a guy can be unlucky a whole year or lucky the whole year. But in general, there wasn't any cause for concern. Now there is because they look nothing like the team that we expect from Kansas City, even up to this point. This year, even up to this point this year, yesterday's team looks so, so different. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So, RJ, let's take a look at something that I think a lot of people struggle with. When do we see an edge and when is something just way too obvious to be good? So here's the thing. I don't think it's just like people will say, oh, the public's on team A. You can't, that, that can't be a winner. Freddie Fanny Pack's on that one. You know, if they're copying from me, they'll say Freddie Fanny Pack or Barney from the bar. Barney at the bar. Or AJ. <laughs> no, 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 no. You like to lay the lumber. But I tell you, it works in college. It, do, it does not work in the NFL. Barney doesn't do well in the NFL. 
Why? It's not just they lose; they're losers. It's because them being on the team or on the given side or whatever the bet is makes it expensive, and thus now you're buying it expensive. Well, what does these extreme cases like? Let me run down a list. Browns have no playmakers. Tennessee has a horrible D, and they are down multiple starters. The Rams have more motivation than any team this year that's a double-digit favorite to get margin because they want to show Goff was someone that they should have got rid of, that it was worth getting rid of. They were justified to get rid of them. And, oh, by the way, do you see the monsoon on Sunday Night Football? No way can they score a lot of points. Okay, Browns covered, thus loser narrative. Tennessee dominated, loser on the narrative. Rams did not cover. Tight game at halftime. Loser. Oh, Sunday Night Football over the total. Easy. After Monsoon, loser. Now, what's going on here? Oftentimes, and there's two factors here. One is that the narrative becomes prevalent and thus it gets expensive. Fading or wrapping your arms around that narrative. I'm fading the Browns. I got sucked into that. I'm fading the Browns. Okay, now the Browns go from three and a half or four as a favor all the way. You know, if I would have taken uh, Denver at plus three and a half, I win the game. I take it at plus two, I lose the game. Okay, same thing. And it was one of the great moments of the year for me is when we covered with Miami. What did we say? They were minus two and a half last week. Plus two and a half now. And like God wanted to say, RJ, you're on the right track. <laughs> they lose by two. That is, and that, if it only happens one out of 20 games, that's how this value approach wins because it takes you from 50% to 55%, one winner out of 20. So they get expensive. The total on Sunday night football went down three points. I think there's another factor too. These are elite athletes. The, the, the D backs that were the replacement backs for Tennessee are probably as good at athletics as anyone. Now, you're in the media, so you've known other professionals or whatever, but most people probably have never met someone as good at what they are in the NFL as a third-string cornerback at, at anything that matters, really. Right? Think about it. Anna Kornikova, they used to say, oh, she's just cheesecake and she's just, you know. Just cute. a pretty face. Yeah, just a pretty face. It's like she was like at her height, like the the 17th best tennis player in the world for women. Like who out? Who's the 17th best at anything that can make you millions of dollars that you know? Not many, if any. So these people are great. They're just not great relative to the starters and not great relative to elite cornerbacks because even the starters aren't elite at Tennessee relative to the rest of the league. There used to be a game in which the nine best Hold'em players in the world like in the late 70s, early 80s, Doyle had a game that just traveled around based on who gave him the best terms. And there was people that were losing their shirt that was probably the seventh or eighth best holding player in the world. But they were playing against the, the sixth best, so they lost, right? So it's all relative. But the fact of the matter is, these players, when they're being told by the A.J. Hoffmans of the world how bad they are, well, what ends up happening they get mad about it. And for at least one game, they can muster up the energy. It's a theory with injuries in general. When everyone's pointing and saying, look at all those injuries, for at least a game or two, the team can pick up the slack. It's hard to do that over the long term. 
But I believe that when there are human elements to this, Browns picked up the slack, Tennessee picked up the slack, and look at Detroit. They played a hard game. Detroit's done that all year long. I don't know why anyone's surprised that they fought hard against that team of all teams. But they went even harder. And this is another lesson, I believe, is a high-variance style of play. Another way to say that would be take every freaking chance you can. <laughs> Onside kick, go for it. Because you know what? You're going to need a crazy confluence of events to win. And if you lose, it doesn't matter if you lose by 40, at least if you don't bet the spread. If you lose by 40 or if you lose by three, you lost. And why don't more teams do that? Because they don't want the embarrassment of losing 45 nothing. But Detroit did everything they could. They onside kicked on their first drive. They did a fourth down fake punt on the same drive. So they recovered the onside kick. Then on fourth down, they fake punt it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they could have got blown out, but they had a chance to win the game. I was, listen, I've been saying Dan Campbell, I've been, let's agree, AJ. I know you don't like to give compliments. I've been on the Dan Campbell side. From the start. You have. You said that Dan Campbell's a smart coach. Nobody would be Sean Payton's number two guy if he wasn't a smart guy. And, and you believe in Dan Campbell. All right. So I just want to say that that's correct. And, <laughs> and listen to the pro. Don't listen to no Joe, man. And I feel pretty good about it. And I, you got to wonder, did Campbell do that with the caricature, the cartoonish way he acted to distract? Or was it he didn't know how people would respond to it? I don't know. If he's like he, he, like a Sizer Kose level genius, if he's trying to distract people from his brilliance, because it worked. Or Kaiser Soze. Oh, how did I say? Sizer Kose. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sizer Kose. I don't think I said Sizer Kose. Okay. Kaiser Soze, isn't it? Yes, it is. But I thought that's what I said. Is that a rule with you that if you give a compliment, you I, f- I have to knock you back down? Yeah, like you find like some irre- irrelevant little minutiae. Yes. Okay. All right. I mean, everyone's trying to figure you out still. Thank you. That's AJ Hoffman. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Oklahoma's quarterback, Caleb Williams, who jumped up to seventh in the Heisman voting, almost lost a game to Kansas football. Seventh in the Heisman odds. Seventh in the Heisman odds, Not voting. Not voting, correct. All right, go ahead. What made you this way? Oh, you know, I I wouldn't typically do that, but go ahead. (laughs) Uh, But he he ends up bailing them out against Kansas, but that's obviously a loss that would have ended any Heisman hope, any national title hope uh, for them. seventh favorite to win the Heisman. Yes. Wow. And almost lost to Kansas. And this week coming up, a a huge game between two unbeaten teams, Michigan and Michigan State, uh, a game that rarely matters as much as it does right now. Well, because Michigan hardly wins any games that matter. uh, Michigan State hardly wins any games that matter. It's all who's who's in line to get their ass kicked by Ohio State next. We tend to focus on Harbaugh here. He smells. All right, so, all right, question. What's Oklahoma's title odds, and does the upside 
of the new quarterback, and is there greater upside? Does it improve their odds, do you think? 15 to 1 right now. And is that an improvement in your mind, not the odds 15 to 1, but rather is Oklahoma's chance of winning the title increased because that the Rattler is no longer yes. the starting quarterback? Yes, and the, the odds aren't as good as they were early in the season when Spencer Rattler was there because Oklahoma looked like they were going to be a more competitive team. They're still unbeaten. All they've got to do is win their games, and they're in the playoff because they're still so, Oklahoma. So hold on a second. So the odds were what? So if we look at Oklahoma – they were fifteen to one, or they're fifteen to one now. They were fourteen to one a week ago. They were eight to one in the preseason. So what we're saying is, it feels like they have a better chance now to win than they did at any point this year because of the new quarterback. But you're getting the juiciest payout now. Yes. Would you say at fifteen to one that's worth a bet? No. Why? Because I think Oklahoma is a long way from the teams at the top. The, the, the and who are those teams? Georgia, Georgia is really the team. And Ohio State. Ohio State. I, I think Georgia. You put Alabama. Ohio State, Alabama neutral. What's the line? Uh, probably Ohio State by one. I'll take it. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.